The following audio is from Summit Church. For more information on Summit Church, visit www.summitonline.tv. Thank you so much for joining us today. As we dive in, we're actually in the third week of kind of a pause series. It's called Unify that we're that we're doing to talk about the vision of the church. And as we talk about this uh, over the last two weeks, I've laid out some things that I think we as a church need to become. And where that came from was uh, months ago, I asked our staff to set some goals. And as they were doing so, they said, can you give us a little bit more clarity as to what you want to see the church grow in? And so I said, if we become a church of prayer, a church of connection, and a church of generosity, if we can accomplish that over the next fiscal year, if we can do that, then we'll be far better equipped to fulfill our mission, our vision, which is to make disciples for the glory of God. And so they came back with some amazing stuff, and that's what we've done the last two weeks. We talked about being a church of prayer. I challenged you to actually intercessorily pray for people, and, and for many, you did that, and it was incredible. Uh, then I, last week, I challenged you to be a church of connection, And I know that's difficult post-pandemic. You're like, I feel like I'm on an island, but we're not intended to live that way. So it's vitally important that we know one another. And and we saw some really great things come from that. And then we finished this week with a church of generosity. And and I know when people hear that, especially those that have been around the church, they think, oh, you're talking about, you're going to talk about money. And and I am, I am going to talk about money in this. And I I don't want to be ashamed of that. Uh, Jesus talked about money 500 times. In the New Testament, Jesus talked about money. So it's important because money can really mess us up. But this is not just about money. This is about generosity. It's about making sure that we live our lives in a way where our time and our treasure are things that we don't hold so tight-fisted that we miss opportunities to connect with people, to pray for people. I want to make sure that we're a church that gives our life away. That's the intent. That's the purpose. And so as we dive in, I I want you to know that. That's where we're going. What does it take to be a church of generosity? A church where that most generous person, the one who serves all the time, like every week they're doing something, that's not the exception. That's the norm. What What does it take to be a church where people are just giving? Not, not because they're told to, not because they make, it makes them feel better, but because they're generous, where generosity is the norm, not the exception. I, I want to grow in this area, and I think we have to understand that in order to grow in our generosity, it's not just about doing, okay? It's not just about taking a step. It's about making sure that our mind and our hearts are right. So that, that's where I want to begin today. Because generosity begins with the correct heart and mindset, okay? The correct heart and mindset. And we struggle with this because in our current culture, this really doesn't pertain to the pandemic, but in our current culture, we have a lust for affluence. We want stuff. We want money, material possessions. We want those because it makes us feel secure, if I can have enough stuff, if, if I can govern my time, then I am in control. And that security that comes from you running your own life and you having enough money, that security will never come. 
And, and I'm, I'm a testimony to this. When I was 23, a friend of mine, uh, Chad Higgins, he was on staff here. He, he went and waited tables at a high-end steakhouse in Colorado. He just, he just wanted to get out of here. And he befriended a multimillionaire who gave him this little tidbit of advice. He told him, he goes, Chad, one day you are going to stress over making the amount of money that today you dream about making. And I, I can testify to that. As a 20-something, I was like, if I could ever have six figures as a family, as an income, I would never need another dime. I would be able to do everything I wanted to do. And now, because of my wife, we are a family that has that kind of resource. And we stress over it. The, the amount of money I dreamed about making, thinking I would never need another dime, now we stress over that. And I know that sounds crazy, but for those of you who have a few more miles on your tires, you, you know what I'm talking about. We think if I could just have this, then it'll all be great. If I could just get to this level, everything will be wonderful in my life. And the reality is, it's not. It's not. It doesn't work that way. Why? Because we buy things we don't want to impress people we don't like. We are trying to keep up with a culture and a world to make ourselves feel better. Covetness, we, we mask that and say, that's just ambition. I want what my neighbor has, and so that's just what I'm striving for. Hoarding, we call prudence. I have to hold on to everything I have. If I give anything away, that's a mistake because I don't know if I'm going to need more the next day. We call that prudence, but it's really just hoarding. Greed, we call industry. That's what's driving me. I, I am an ambitious and industrious person. That's what I am, and I will pursue that. And I'm not going to apologize to anyone. But really, it's just greed. It's the desire for more. Jesus teaches us a different way of living life. And it's a way I want to unpack today. I think it's a way of life that we need to live because it's a life free from the need of things. It's a life free from the need of security that comes from our bank account or what we have or what we look like. It's a life free from stress and worry. And I, and I just threw out two key words there, right? Stress and worry. It's a life free from that because it's a generous life where what you have is available to others. It's exactly how God created us to live. We have just become this culture of wanting, needing, and craving more and holding on to it with all of our might. There's some keys to this mindset, the correct mindset and heart. The first key, number one by far, is that in order to be a generous person, we must treasure Christ above all. Matthew chapter 6, I'm going to read verses 19, and, 19 through 21 and then verse 24. Jesus says this in the Sermon on the Mount, Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy where thieves break in and steal. But store for yourself treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. 
For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Can't do it. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve these two masters at the same time. God and money. You can't do it. So I ask you, what what is your greatest treasure? What do you protect at all costs? What do you desire to have more of? You're looking to gain more of it. The Christian answer, the Christian answer should be Jesus. I protect Jesus, not from outside forces, but that's my number one. I treasure Jesus more than anything else. I want more of him more than anything else. That should be your answer. But, but let's be honest. Money and security, they're right there. Those are things that we desire to have more of, to treasure more of. We are a material world. We are living in a time where money means everything. But while money and protecting your time are not bad things, you have time, you have money, those aren't bad things. We need to see them as gifts from God. But Jesus knows our heart. Whatever you treasure the most, get your heart. And that's why Jesus says you can't love God and love money. You can have money and love God, but you can't love God and love money. We have to treasure what is most important, and that is Jesus. The second thing that Jesus teaches is we can't worry about stuff. I don't know what causes you the most fear. I don't know what causes you the most worry. But we can't worry about stuff. Matthew 6, 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you're going to eat or drink, about your body, what you'll wear. You're going to be clothed. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Jesus beautifully attacks the first rebuttal to what he had just said. Don't worry about money. Don't worry about stuff. Just just be free from it. And then someone goes, if I just give all my stuff away, what am I going to eat? What am I going to wear? And Jesus goes, don't worry. God's got you. He's got you. He will take care of you. Verse 26, Matthew chapter 6. Jesus says, look. Literally, that means learn from. He goes, Just look up in the sky. You you can see, you can hear him sitting on this hill teaching thousands of people. And he goes, just look right up there at the birds, the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they are? Yeah, you're, you're created in God's image. Yet he cares for them. They don't have big houses. They don't have places where they store their stuff. They just live and every day God provides for them. How much more so, how much more so will God do that for you? God has you. Don't worry. We fail to be generous, specifically with our money. 
because we don't trust that God will provide. Munch says it this way, to worry specifically about finances is practical atheism. Now, it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that you're an atheist, that you don't believe there is a God, but when we worry that we're not going to make it, when we worry that if we were to be generous, then we are not going to have enough, that is saying that God will not provide. It's practical atheism, and it is an affront to God. Those are harsh words. But if you back up and just think for a moment, they're very true. What am I, if I, if I just give it all away, how will I eat? God's got you. The third thing that we must know is that we have to get our priorities right. Matthew 6, verse 33, Jesus kind of summarizes this whole section. He says, here's what you need to do. Here's the application. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Choose God, trust God, know that everything you have is from God, and seek his kingdom, his purpose, and his will, and his glory first, and then everything else is going to fall in the line. Very, very difficult to do. I know that. But that's what Jesus says is the key. Generosity with our time and our treasure is one evidence. It's not the only one. It's one evidence, though, of us seeking first the kingdom of God. If we are just giving our lives away, if we are just trusting that the Lord is going to be able to resupply if we give away of our time and our treasure, if we're doing that, then we are seeking the kingdom first. This is important. It's so vital. In order to do this, we adopt a couple values, okay? These are things that generous people just understand. And, and if you're taking notes, I think this is probably the most important. In order to be a generous person, we must know that what we have is a gift from God. Everything that you possess is not yours. It was given to you. It is a gift from God. God has given you this day. He caused the sun to rise he put the breath in your lungs today. That's a gift. This day is a gift. And, and when we look at this day and go, it just stinks. I can't stand this day. That's an affront to God because he gave you this day. So that you might choose whether you're going to live for yourself or for him. How do you use your time? The second thing we need to know, the second value is that because of what he's done, what we have is cared for by God. We are stewards that get to control it some, but it is protected by God. What you have, what you possess, your life, your talents, your treasure, it's all cared for by God. So much better than you can protect it by holding it tight in your fists. It's cared for by God. God will take care of you so you don't have to worry about your stuff anymore. You need to be wise, but it's always, always good to err on the side of generosity, of doing more, of giving more. It's always wise to do that because God has been so generous to you. What God has given you in the form of his son Jesus is the most extravagant gift ever. 
So why would we not want to be generous back with the things that he has given us? He will take care of you. And the third thing, what we have, because God has given it to us, what we have is available to others. It's not ours. It's his, to be used for his kingdom. Do you remember last week in Acts chapter 2, where it said that the disciples came together and they sold possessions and they shared with one another to make sure that no one was in need? That's a beautiful, beautiful picture of community, of generosity. If you have more than enough and someone doesn't have enough, then you both live with just enough. And, and we struggle to figure out what that is because we're an incredibly fluent, affluent culture in America. And there are people in this world that are living on dollars a day. And, and we're so frustrated because we're living on hundreds of dollars a day. It's an interesting paradox, but what we have must be available to others to not feel that what you have is available for the good of the community makes your possessions, makes your stuff, stolen goods. They're stolen from the one who owns them. That's God. We cling to what we have because we fear tomorrow. And God says, don't worry, I got you. Don't, don't fear tomorrow. Get your priorities right. So over this three-week series, I've given challenges each week First week to pray for three people. Second week to get to know others. This week, here's just practically how we become a generous church. Okay? The, the two things that I will challenge you with are to serve and to tithe. That's, that's the most practical way that we can be a generous church. It's, it's not all of it, because you need to have the heart right, that's why we spent so much time talking about that. But here's what we do. Here's my challenge for you to serve and to tithe. Serving, as I said last week, is one of the best ways to get connected also to the church. But how do you do that? Okay, well, as you're watching this, you can go online, summitonline.tv, and you can click on events, and you will see the serving opportunities we have the rest of this fall. You'll see them on there, on a calendar. Opportunities for you to go and serve. There are opportunities within our ministries. If you're physically on campus, there are opportunities. How do you get involved? You fill out an online Connect card. You, you go there, contact us, let us know who you are, say, I wanna get involved. That is the most simple way for you to step out and serve, to give your life away, to be generous with your time. And then I said, there's another one. It's tithing. And, and I know that no one likes to hear that word in church. But here's all it means. I want to break it down in the most simple form. Tithing means giving your first fruits back to God because he gave his first fruits to you. What's that mean? Well, in Exodus chapter 13, there's this kind of obscure passage that talks about how all firstborn must be either redeemed or sacrificed. And, and I, I don't want to unpack it, but here's what I want you to see. God gives us everything. And so when the 
offspring of an animal came out, the firstborn was supposed to be either sacrificed or redeemed back to God. It was a clean animal, it was sacrificed. It was an unclean animal, had to be redeemed by providing a lamb for it. And when John the Baptist saw Jesus approaching one day as he was baptizing people in the Jordan River, he looked up and he said, behold, here comes the Lamb of God. Jesus is God's firstborn son, his one and only son, his only begotten son, however you want to say it. And when John the Baptist saw him, he said, there's the lamb that has come to redeem all those that are unclean. And that's us. That's, that's us sinners. He came and he was sacrificed. He was clean. We're unclean. The unclean must be redeemed. God sent his one and only son to redeem us. He sacrificed him for us. And that idea of the first fruits, it goes to crops, fields, it goes to money. And in Malachi chapter 3, verses 9 and 10, here's what it says. You are under a curse, your entire nation is, because you're robbing me. You're keeping possessions that are not yours. You're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, and there will be food in your house. Test me on this. Test me, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will be not enough room for you to store it. Test me. Your income, each week, each month, however that happens, it either needs to be sacrificed or redeemed. And what Jesus says, or what God says in Malachi is, I just want you to take the first 10%, the first fruits, and I want you to give that back to me. I want you to give it back to me to prove to me, to show me that you trust me, that you can do far better with 90% that is redeemed than with the 100% you keep and that needs to be sacrificed. I want you to trust me. And as someone who needed to be taught this lesson a long time ago, I can tell you that trusting God with 90% is a far better way to live than keeping 100% thinking that you need it all. I can tell you that with great, great truthfulness. When we do not give back 10%, you're like, well, that's an Old Testament law. That's, that's correct. The New Testament says give it all. So I, I will take the principle of the first fruits and I will apply that to my life. But if, if you want to be a New Testament person, then you should be giving everything away. So your first fruits, the first 10%, it goes back to the storehouse. It goes to the church. Now, I always say this because I'm challenging you to do it. If you don't want to give it to Summit Church, don't. If you think I'm being manipulative right now, then don't give it here, but give it back to God. Find a organization that pursues the things of the Lord and give it to them. If you don't want to give it here, don't. I'm not looking for money. I'm looking for you to be generous. I'm looking for you to be faithful. I'm looking for you to step into the beauty of knowing what it feels like to give your life and your treasure away. A church of generosity is a church of people who freely sacrifice their time in service and their money to say, God, I trust you. I love you. And I'm with you in this mission. I want to challenge you 
to find a way to serve, find a way to serve the kingdom of God, and then very specifically, I want you to tithe just this week's worth of income, whatever that is for you. 10% of this week's income, I want you to give it back to God. And I want you to do so as a challenge. And for some, you're like, I don't know if I'm going to do that, okay? Some of you didn't pray, some of you didn't connect the last two weeks. That's fine. But I promise you that if we want to be the church that God has called us to be, being a church of generosity is imperative. And it's not about money alone. It's about people trusting God and being willing to give their lives away. And I pray that today the Lord speaks to you to let you know that that is exactly how he created you to function and how you will best see his blessings in your life. Father, it is a joy to know that you are so extravagantly generous to us. May we be just as extravagantly generous to you and to others as we see that everything we, has, everything we have, it comes from you. We thank you so much for who you are and what you've done. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.